youth, what does that mean? Do you know? <laughs> Session here? We have a delay for technical difficulties. It says mute. Let's see. Good morning, Rabbi Yisai. You might be surprised to know that the price of lamb chops had a huge difference in world history. And I'll tell you when. Before, during World War II, in the beginning, you know, the Russian Germany had a pact, and Hitler understood that one time Stalin was going to turn on him and attack Russia. And he was warned by the Allies, by Churchill, by different intelligence agencies, be careful, Russia is going to attack. And yet Stalin did nothing. He wasn't ready for it. He didn't prepare himself for an attack because he was sure that all the intelligence systems were wrong and they were just trying to sow discontent in their agreement. Why was he so sure? Because the price of lamb chops did not fall. Now, what does that have to do with world politics? So listen to the Cheshvan. Stalin tended like this. Of course Hitler's going to attack, and every army knows when you attack Russia, you have to be dressed in very warm clothing because it's freezing outside. Now, in order to have warm clothing, you have to slaughter a tremendous amount of sheep because the warm clothing was made just not by the wool of the sheep, but by the skins also. So if you want to make really good coats you can make for an army of 100,000 people, you're going to have to slaughter millions of sheep to take their skins and their hair with them. So Stalin figured the real test of when Hitler's going to attack is when the Germany's going to have to slaughter millions of sheep, and if you have all those sheep slaughtered for their skin, what's going to happen to the price of meat? The price of meat goes down. And he felt that this was something that couldn't be finagled by any intelligence plots or things like that, so he just opened up the commodity newspaper in Germany, from Germany to see the price of meat. But he was wrong because he had assumed that Hitler for sure is not going to attack unless his soldiers have nice warm coats. And he didn't understand that Hitler was so full of confidence that he was going to attack without making coats, and therefore Stalin was caught unawares. His air force was wiped out. For at least a week, it looked like he was on the verge of a nervous breakdown. He completely withdrew himself, and there was no leadership as the Russian army got slaughtered. What does this have to do with us, and what does it have to do with the Pasha? Sometimes people try to figure out their opponent, and they say, I really understand my opponent, and therefore I can act according to this understanding. So we look in the Parsha with Paro and Moshe. So Moshe warns them of a plague, and then when the plague happens, Paro says, okay, you can do it, I'll free you, I'll free you, please uh, take away the plague. And then when the plague leaves, Vayichbad libo. So we think it's simply a case of if you want to get somebody to do something, as long as you have power over him, he'll say, yes, I'll do it. Once you release him from the headlock, so he says, no, I'm not going to do it. But I saw one of them first, I think that it's a gewaltige shtick that Paro thought he was doing. When Paro calls in motion says, I'm going to let you go take away the plague, Paro has in mind, I'm not going to let you go. And he has the following cheshpen. He says, I don't understand, is this Moshe for real or not? If Moshe's for real, and there's an all-knowing God, then God's not going to take away the plague. 
because God knows that I thought, I'm not letting you go. So then when the plague actually leaves, Sapparo so says, this obviously isn't from a God. I fooled Moshe. Because when I told him they could leave, I hadn't zin already, I hadn't mind. No, you can't leave. And that's why Vayich Badlibo. Paro thought he could figure out God. Now, what was the, where was the Cheshpin wrong? Because Paro looks himself as an opponent of God. I have power, and this God has power, and let's see who's stronger. He didn't realize he's only a puppet. He has no power at all. Like in the beginning, a bow, HaKadosh Baruch Hu tells Moshe, I'm hardening Paro's heart because I want him to be a backdrop that I can exhibit all of these miracles in order that people should see HaKadosh Baruch Hu's Kayach and in order that there should be a Seder, that we should be able to tell our children, our grandchildren, the tremendous dramatic story of Yitzhak Mitzrayim. Could you imagine if Paro would have agreed, like let's say by Dam or Tzvardeya, we'd go to the Seder, Dam, Tzvardeya, okay, what's for supper? Instead, HaKadosh Baruch Hu made that Paro kept on giving in, resisting, giving in, resisting, in order that we should have ten full makais, there was a whole shear in Amuna. So where Paro thinks he's tricking God, God is really tricking Paro. You Paro think, I really need your agreement? If I want to take the Jews out of Mitzrayim, I could have paralyzed everybody with Choshech right in the beginning and tell Moshe, bring the Jews out, finished. You're not so powerful. But Paro thinks he is, and he thinks he can figure out God. Then we get to Kriyas Yamsov. Now he asks, what kind of Meshuggah brings his whole army into an ocean that's split in half? So the Jerusha Saran says like this, when the Jews asked for the gold and silver, they said, we're borrowing, and they said, we're going to go out for three days and come back, all of that sounds very dishonest. It can't be God, because I figured out God, and God only says the truth. And if I see that the truth is not being said by Moshe Rabbeinu, it can't be representing God. And therefore he says, this isn't for real, and I'm going to pursue the Jews. The emiss was, that Kodesh Baruch Hu says, that if a person acts improperly, Hashem will act, so to speak, improperly to him. So Mela Kodesh Baruch Hu had Moshe say things which were not accurate, at least on the simplest level, to make Paro feel, this can't really be God, and he's going to get into Yamsuf. And why is that important? Because in the very beginning, Paro thought he could figure out God. He said, I want to get rid of Jewish babies. How am I going to do it? Well, if I drown the babies, I know that God can't punish me because God swore an oath he's not going to drown the world. And since God punishes me, the connected me, that if I kill the Jewish babies to water, God wants to punish me for water, but he can't. I tied God's hands up. That's Paro's problem, the problem of this big Balgaiva from the very beginning. So first of all, he didn't understand the oath was not to flood the whole world. He could certainly flood Mitzrayim. So what was Paro thinking? The same thing Americans are thinking when the baseball finals are called the World Series. If I say it's the World Series, it's the world that's playing. So United States teams are playing. But we think we're the world. So Paro also thought he was the world. And he figured an oath not to drown the world means Egypt. So HaKadosh Baruch Hu says to Paro, you think you're so big, you're really a midget. Not only am I going to drown, but even the Shitoscha, that I can't drown Mitzrayim, 
So I can't bring water to the Egyptians. So I'll bring the Egyptians into the water. All of this is to show that a person can be very small when he tries to figure out HaKadosh Baruch Hu. But I don't want to leave you on that note. Because you know in Slobodka they used to speak about godless Adam, how great man can be. So the same way a person can be a midget, he can also be a giant. We know that in Egypt they worship the sun. And you can understand why the sun is one of the most powerful agents of our Kodesh Baruch to keep the world going. Without the sun, it would be, I think, absolute zeros, like minus 500 or something. Without the sun, we, we couldn't exist. So they worship the sun. What's so terrible that the Torah says don't worship the sun? After all, isn't the will of the king that his governors and officers should be respected by the people? So the normal answer you'd expect is it's taka true. And that's how Avodah Zarah started. After all, Adam Arishan spoke to God. Had they ever had Avodah Zarah? So the Rambam tells us, because of this svara that they said, well, we have to worship God. We have to give honor to his governors and to his senators. And eventually they forgot about God. They were so busy giving honors to the governors. But that's not what the Alshech says. The Alshech on Dvarim says, although it's true that the king wants his subjects to honor the governors, but the king never bows down to the governors. And every Jew has a bit of the HaKadosh Baruch Hu in him. And that's why we don't bow down to the sun. Because we are godlike. When the person is aligned with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, he's more important than the sun. And for a human being, a Jew, to bow down to the sun is like the king bowing down to the governor. So here we have, in summary is the man has the choice to be a midget or a giant. If a person tries to argue with God, God will show him that his mind is a joke and that God will play all sorts of tricks on him that he thinks he's so smart, in the end he drowns. But if a person aligns himself, he's on God's side, then he becomes so big that he is a piece of God himself who cannot bow down to the lowly son. Thank mm-hmm. you.